Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. My name is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from Southern California, which is not sunny today, but is still Southern California. <laughs> which is better which is better than how I'm doing here in the South Bronx. I'm Seth Rodney. I'm an editor at Hyperallergic, the um, visual arts blog, and I'm on the um, part-time faculty at Parsons. Yeah, it's cold. It's like 25 degrees here, which don't make no sense. I mean, I know it's winter, but still. I'm from Jamaica. It don't make no sense. I was going to say, he's from Jamaica, so he's, he's mad. Mad a lot, of, mad a lot in winter. Yeah. Um, I'm Stephen G. Forward, and I am one of the co-founders of the Nomadic Archivist Project, a consultancy company that helps people of African descent help organize their individual and organizational archives. And I'm coming to you from Harlem, and I believe in humanity. I can't wait to get to our conversation today. Amen. Right, okay. Amen. So this, Bring it. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to think together out loud and, and hopefully get somewhere new. We're continuing our conversation on uh, what we titled white supremacy, although early on uh, that we we had a slight correction that, that all three of us, I think, kind of agreed with and took up, which was uh, white, misanthropy, white misanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we're continuing that conversation. Today, we're going to let Stephen take the lead. Um, I think he has a number of things for us to kind of puzzle through. And at the end of the program, uh, white misanthropy will be gone. It will magically disappear and be solved. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't wait to get in on that. I was so happy that you said that. I was like, yeah, it'll, it'll be gone. Um, So I um, want to open this conversation up today by saying thank you, Seth and Travis, for engaging me. Um, So the idea for this particular um, perspective, it's sort of, we're thinking, um, I'm considering what white misanthropy does to white people as opposed to racism, like what kinds of sort of mental, emotional, spiritual sort of impact does it have on someone who calls themselves white. So I sent Travis and stuff a bunch of um, resources to look at. And one of them, the woman who put it in my head was Toni Morrison. It was a 1992-93 interview with her about her book, Jazz. And she was on Charlie Rose. Mm-hmm. And although the interview is much longer than the excerpt I initially sent them, what she's doing is Charlie is asking her about... So she's considering this idea of, of the Clarence Thomas nomination at that point. And Clarence mm-hmm. Thomas, African-American male conservative who was elected to the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court, she had noted early in the interview that no one had really thought about him as a brilliant person. They just kept thinking, you know, kept on emphasizing black. And that what he did was sort of use rather than in his own words, and actually I'm going to mess them up, so, so not verbatim, that one black person has to follow the trajectory of their lives and either they choose violence or they choose profit. And he chose, basically chose profit, essentially. You know, he became a conservative and so forth. There, there are two options if you are black, just yes. so you know. Just so, just so you know. <laughs> and you become a Supreme Court justice one day. Um, and so what she said was, she was, he was asking her about her perspective on that. And she says, well, essentially... It's not how does she feel about ascension or um, upward mobility, but how does he feel about it? How do white people mm-hmm. feel? And she was mm-hmm. like thinking, no, not you yourself, Charlie, but what do 
how does a white person feel about racism? Because it feels crazy. It doesn't feel, it's not logical. And mm. she goes, if you have to, fee- if, you, if, if you need to have your foot on someone else or someone else on their knees, like, no, what does that mean to you? What does that mean? And so without race, without that thing, what are you? Are you any good? You know? Mm-hmm. And she says at the end of her sort of like moment, she goes, um, that's a very serious problem. And to her, white people have a serious problem and they need to figure out what they're going to do about it and to leave her out of it. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the jumping off point for this particular conversation, because I was curious, I was like, we're always thinking about race and white supremacy, white misanthropy as impacting other people, but what does it do to the body of a person who is also raced, who's also mm-hmm. there? So I wanted mm-hmm. to start there by asking a couple questions of both Seth and um, Travis, and one is, when you heard her say that, or when you were engaging the other readings, um, what were some of your thoughts about this idea? Like, what what does it do to someone who's white, white supremacy, white misanthropy? Um, one of the things that first came to mind, um, I hope you don't mind me jumping in, Travis. No, please do, please do. Um, one of the first things that came to mind uh, just now was actually the film Monster's Ball, which mm. um, uh, stars uh, Billy Bob Thornton, I think. And, yes, yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, um, and Halle Berry, right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I remember, I, I saw this film a long time ago, but I remember that one of the issues with the, the, the character um, played by Thornton is that every moment, every morning he wakes up, he throws up. Every morning he wakes up, before he goes out into the world to do whatever he needs to do, he vomits. And I think that, in a sort of obvious way, was a reference to how sick he was. But I think there's some, as a metaphor, uh, as an analogy, perhaps it works in that um, every day his life, the the life that yawns before him in the morning, right? That that mm. that, that he prepares himself to go and manipulate, go and work through, um, is so daunting to him. It's so awful to him mm. that that he nervously throws up what was ever in it, whatever was in his stomach uh, mm-hmm. when he contemplates that day. And I do think of that when, in relation to the Toni Morrison uh, interview with Charlie Rose, in mm-hmm. that I think when she asked the question, what are you without racism? I, I have to think that there are people like Thornton's character or people like the Proud Boys who like tomorrow, if they didn't have a black or Latino or Chicano or, I don't know, Laotian other by mm-hmm. which to compare themselves or to which to compare themselves and, and, always, and always come out taller, right? Always come out better, always come out stronger. Mm-hmm then I wonder if that the day that would yawn before them on that morning, right, when we were somehow like all gone or somehow just sort of diffused into a, more, a, a sort of um, generalized soup of humanity, I wonder if the day would yawn before them with all that terror and all that sense of, I'm not sure who I am to be today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's part of the 
part of what um I'm what I'm wondering if that's what would confront them. Um I mm. that's what comes to my mind. But I but again, you know, or not again, but I I I realize as I say this that this is really just a kind of drawn out psychological speculation because I don't know. I don't know right. anyone like mm -hmm. that. Well, well, we do. I mean, I, so it is certainly it's a speculation, but mm -hmm. we do. Um, I mean, Seth, and, I mean, you read voraciously, and I know, um, I know it made the rounds uh, maybe a decade uh, ago, maybe decade plus. Uh, the rates of mental illness that increased dramatically in the former Soviet Union and after the dissolution of the Soviet uh, the Soviet Republic. Mm. Um, and uh, suicide rate spikes and, and all the rest of that. And we have the opioid crisis in the United States. Um, it, it seems pretty clear to me that we know what happens. I don't want to say most, but we know what happens to a lot of people mm. when they lose their grand narrative, um, uh. particularly, particularly men. Uh, but of course, certainly women are susceptible to it as well, but, but, but more particularly men, I think. When they lose their grand narrative, uh, the world becomes disorienting. Um, and life and its ever-present uh, ability to bore you mm. um, becomes <laughs> becomes overwhelming, mm. um, and and depression sinks in, and and violence follows, uh, particularly with certain personality types. So I don't think your speculation is, you know, I don't think you're you know just spitballing. I think there's a, a real reason uh, to think about it. Um, to, Two things um, occurred to me. One, I will I will bookmark, but I I can't not bookmark it. Which uh, it's just because it's that's me. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't think that there's anything particular about a white supremacist narrative that is disorienting to its dissolution followers than would be disorienting to any other grand narrative that disorients people. I think that there are a large, there is a large segment of the population that is currently invested in a kind of racial political narrative. Um, even if it's on a side of politics that we might agree with, that would absolutely mm -hmm. fall apart if it was shown to them that um, race didn't play a significant factor in fill in the blank um, in in mm. their in their light in their misfortune or whatever it might be. They just couldn't. There's just no way they could hear it if it, if that were the case. I'm not saying it is. But I'm saying there's no way they could hear that mm. uh, and still maintain their perch in the world. But that kind of I, I don't want to. We can talk about that if if you want, Stephen. The the thing that I, I that my personal reaction mm -hmm. um, to um, the Morrison thing uh, up until you know the brilliant comment. I think I'm 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 there with her a hundred percent on. I get a little irritated mm -hmm. when I hear people uh, say it's not my problem to help white people. Uh, oh, why okay. people need to do need, why people need to do it themselves mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because because the underpinning of that idea is an atomized notion of the self, which is the very metaphysics that they would reject. 
Mm-hmm. No one is in the world alone. No one. There is. There is. There are no like white people over there that need to go do their thing and figure their shit out. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell, I'm mm-hmm. actually getting irritated. Mm-hmm. That that's a bullshit construct. Mm-hmm. Th- that is a construct that I would uh, that I would that I would attack intellectually oh, yeah. and emotionally. I completely reject it. And when a person of color mm-hmm. or a person who identifies with an ideology. Mm-hmm that advocates for the rights and enfranchisement of colored people. When when they say white people go figure your shit out, mm-hmm. they are pushing a quote unquote white Western limited atomized narrative. Mm, I and would so completely that, disagree with you. Okay. I'm really do. I'm really dead on with your because you 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 have dismissed a lot of things out of whole cloth and things that I do appreciate about, because I think at the bottom of what you're saying is humanity, a collective humanity. Mm-hmm. What I think about, I think that there are layers to it. I think the first layer is people have been so invested in a particular kind of whiteness for a while that where black folks have tried to be human <laughs> and continue to be human. There are whites who try to be human who are human, who work with that idea. But mm-hmm. I know that one of the issues that I think someone who's invested in whiteness, however it manifests, an artificial construct, yes, that they need to pull that apart for themselves. This isn't, this. your job isn't to save someone else. Your job is to is self-preservation first. So why and are... I'm, I'm, oh, no, please, okay, okay. Because I'm thinking about the community. Because what... Because what you're suggesting, I mean, your irritation with it, I would be more irritated if I saw more movement. I'd be more irritated if at the bottom of, at the end of the day, survival wasn't my first priority. I will be. It's not your first, Stephen. Survival's not your first. No, my my survival is. Come on. My survival in a white supremacist, white misanthropic society is self preservation. But you do not move through you move through your day in a survival mode. Come you, on, you come think, on. But, you're, but, you're, but what you're doing is you're qualifying the idea of what survival is. Now tell me what you it, think it is. Sh- sh- sure, survival is your <laughs> survival, meaning that your very existence hinges on the decisions that you make on a day to day basis. So if a cop decides to take me out for walking across the street or for some or me pulling my phone out of my wallet, I mean my my pocket and thinks that it's a firearm. If a cop decides to take anyone out, I don't understand, but I don't but, understand. But you, under, no, but no, you no, understand that no, black no, I, life. You understand that black life is a lot more tenuous in the US and continues to be okay, so, okay, than your so regular white person. Okay, right? so no, let's let's pause on that. No, because we, neither you nor I know that, because the research is not clear on that at this point. Uh, the bodies stack up. At, 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 at the likelihood of a black male being on the receiving end of a fire of a murder by a police officer via firearm the jury is out where it has been studied it seems that white men are more likely to be shot now that's because I, wait, 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 of wait, wait, the population wait, wait, wait. that's because of population no, no. dude don't talk Steven, disproportionately Steven, I, mm-hmm. I, I will okay i will very happily send you the research for i mean it's mm-hmm. it's the that's that's just not accurate what is what is accurate is the likelihood that you are harassed that you are on 
the receiving end of uh, police harassment or detainment or the rest of that. That absolutely is true so, as a black when we talk male. About and, probably, survival, and probably a black when female. When we talk too. about survival, we're also talking about mentally. We're not just talking about me being killed or physical harm. We're talking about mental. We're talking about mental okay. deaths. We're talking okay. about that kind of harm. Do you understand what okay. I mean? I do. I don't think they're the same. That's fine. That's fine. I, I don't. I, I don't think they're the same. I, I think. I think that people that grow up in an environment in which their lives are actually at risk um, in a um, substantial way on a daily basis are working under greater psychological stress and threat than someone whose life is not at wager every day. Other than, you know, I'm with you if you want to talk about, you know, sort of abstractions and all of our lives are precarious. And and I, of course, I believe that. I don't think that. they're the same set of um, data. And I don't, well, I don't think it's the same thing. I agree, okay. I agree with you about someone who is in a concentration camp or someone who is in war. Those are different mm -hmm. stats. But we're talking mm -hmm. about the mental thing that continues to build and develop and really kind of sharpen and think like, I don't think that it is my responsibility to help white people get over white misanthropy. I think my okay. job is to be a human. I think okay, it's so their let me, job to let look me, at themselves. Can I, can I, can I jump in? Can I jump in? Seth, can, I ask, sure. can I ask one question and sure. then I'll let Go you... I, okay. <laughs> so would you... Would you... Let me, let me just ask it a different way. Why? Because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to hide what I'm actually saying. Okay. Why are you okay with pushing a self-reliant narrative for white people, but not okay with pushing a self-reliant narrative for people of color? Well, I think I why, why, why is it, mean? you are saying whites must rely on themselves. I'm saying whites in need order to, get to over deal with their the, do, mental issues okay, around racism. What, That's what I'm who, saying. Who are these white people? The people who like, identify who are, as white. What are you saying? But I'm saying, who are they? Who who are the white people? Now, if you want to talk about the poor boys, you want to talk about the, like, okay. I'm talking like, about yes. your regular run-of-the-mill person who might consider themselves European-American in any, man, any, man, any ethnicity who considers themselves white. How many people have you encountered in your life, and then I'm sorry because Steph wanted to jump in, run around thinking about themselves as white in the way that you are describing? Hmm. How often mean, does that... You mean how whites often who would identify... In, Whites who would how, identify as being white? Yeah. How often um, is that, like, in your interpersonal experience, I don't mean what's happened to you, like, mm -hmm. what you may read that way in a particular passing social encounter, because your view of the world is going to be colored by your ideology. I mean, on an interpersonal, intimate level, how have you been affected by a quote-unquote white person that represents a white, a quote-unquote white ideology that mm -hmm. impinges on you as a person of color. When I've worked at the New York Public Library, sir. Okay, all right. I mean, that's so just can... one example. I'll go into it, but I won't go into it that deeply because okay, I don't want to bring enough. up names. But I'll say that the ways in which where I worked, the ways in which people who consider themselves white were questioning whether or not there were certain kinds of black people, what kinds of folks or what kinds of history we should collect because they didn't understand it. And that is a white privilege thing where they can't think past their own ideas or think past that this particular kind of culture is worthy of being where collected. The, 
were the people were the people of color in unanimous agreement? Black people. With Let's the, just go to black people. Let's not go to uh, people of color. Let's go black. This was a black institution where I worked at, and I uh, worked. Okay, I have no problem within, saying black. Uh, right within a larger white institution. This is okay. So were all the mm-hmm. other black people at the institution in agreement with your position that these white folks were incapable <laughs> of seeing? the value of what was being Not collected. Not everybody, because everybody thinks differently. So there, was, there, were, no, okay, no, 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 so there no. were a there diversity of opinions. Of course there will be. But I get where you're going with this, I think. But what I'm saying is, you asked me a question about whether how I was impacted by someone who thought them, didn't really think of themselves as white, but when it came to collecting and preserving black culture, they had, well, I'm not sure if this person is and so forth. I have the experience. I know this to be a fact that this material is worthy of collection, of, of collecting. But, but you, that, that, okay, so I get that. And I'm not even, so I'm not saying, I'm not weighing in at all on the value of the collection or not collecting. I mean, you're an expert. I would trust your opinion on that, certainly more than I would trust mine. So, mm-hmm. you know, full stop. Why, how, that's why I asked if there were other black people that if there was unanimous agreement amongst you, and I don't mean like one weird dude in the corner that just like no, happened to like about always systematic. Agree. Okay, systematic. so this is right. So this is this is my this is my this is my issue okay. with with this. And then and please, Seth, say something so it's not so much back and forth. <laughs> so the, the, this is this is my issue. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is the go-to intellectual rhetorical move of the late 20th and 21st century. And I, I feel, and, and, and there are things that you've said in the conversation mm-hmm. and that, that I'll be specific about. If you saw more improvement, if you saw more movement. So I, it, mm-hmm. I, to me, when I get into these conversations, I, it, it feels like a type of Gnosticism. It feels mm. like the, it feels like a, an assumption that the world is corrupted and is and ha- mm. has been and continues to be and nothing I, I i just can't get on the same page with you if you say that nothing has changed but I or there haven't been okay been no no what i'm saying you is saw if more movement progress. what more what kind of progress it was white people like people were p- white people. folks looking at themselves who identify as white looking at the structures and the things that you don't they think what you don't think there are a lot of white people looking at themselves i'm saying that how many do you want no 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 here but I think at the bottom of my patience with the idea that you have is you're requesting something of me that others are. What am I? I, What am I requesting of you? Faith. I'm not. I'm saying. I'm saying. Go on evidence. I'm going. You don't have to have faith. Go on evidence. I'm going on evidence, and I'm going on faith. Rhetorically, I think that when it comes to people who are invested in a particular kind of system and saying that they need to look at themselves and to see how they are shaping the world doesn't Mm -hmm. deny me I'm still a part of that culture where we're still together. I'm saying do your work. I'm doing my work. Do your work. That's what I'm saying. So can I I jump in here now? Yep. I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) a full stop for me. Um, Wow, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start off with something that I ended up talking about the other week when I gave a talk at the New York Academy of Art with Sharon Loudon, 
And I was speaking about, and I'm, and and by the way, as I as I do this, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to rope in all that's been said in the last mm, ten or twelve minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should you, right? Because <laughs> there is a lot there. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that <clears throat> gives me a kind of avenue in, <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, is 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 me talking about in, in that talk um, uh, uh, at the New York Academy. Mm-hmm. I remember speaking about the different the distinction for me between my job and my responsibility, mm-hmm. um, and I said, you know, my job at Hyperallergic is to cover the visual arts and and performing arts actually, and to mm-hmm. give my opinion, to give my analysis. Mm-hmm. That is what Harag and Vikan, my bosses at Hyperallergic want me to do explicitly mm-hmm. they say this they, mm-hmm. that that's what they want that's what they count mm-hmm. on i consider it my responsibility so it's beyond so it's beyond my job description right i consider it my responsibility to cover the arts that concern or or produced by people of color and women mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i know that they have been historically underserved Mm-hmm. That historically, it's just not okay. been fair. It's been the, the 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 arts ecosystem has been tilted towards white men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That distinction, I think, is is important to me because <clears throat> it's the it's kind of the one that gets erased a little, or or at least kind of submerged in in that conversation that Tommy Morrison has with um, Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose, yeah. Because she's making it sound like her job, right, is to do what she does in crafting these very complex pieces of fiction that really get at and unpack the kinds of ideologies and assumptions that we make as human beings living in this culture now, right? Or, mm-hmm. or you know, and it can be traced back to the cultures that she, that she mm-hmm. specifically represents um, um, in her novels or have antecedents in those. Mm-hmm. In those cultures represented in her novels. But her responsibility, she's saying, well, that's not my responsibility to do the work that white people should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. On some level, she's right, but she's winning the battle at the expense of the war, I think. Because I, I, I will agree with Travis on this. Mm-hmm. The tendency, in my experience, is that people who make that argument black people people and people of color who make this argument make it in that kind of smug way that begins to again demarcate out culture as being as belonging to specific racial or phenotypes um racialized phenotypes or mm-hmm specific communities of um, shared ideology. So a good, a good example is Haru Kuti, Haru, who Stephen and I both know, mm-hmm. um, and who has written, co-written some stuff with me for Hyperallergic years ago. And mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. we have a, a, a kind of professional relationship. And um, he has said similar things in my presence. And I've mm-hmm. always found with Haru that it comes off, and I, I could be, uh, this could be very much be my, my reading of him through having known him for the time I've known him, but it always comes off to me as smug. 
And it comes off to me as smug mm. in the same way that Lawrence Harding, who, again, if you all know Lawrence, um, comes off to mm. me as smug when he says, yeah, I don't bother voting because that's the whole system is stupid. It's not going to, my vote isn't going to mm. change, blah, blah, blah. And mm. they both have in their own ways <clears throat> valid validity in their arguments. Lawrence will argue uh, that, that that his vote, particularly in New York City, New York State, doesn't change much. There's some validity to that. Um, Haru will argue that there's particular kinds of work that white people need to do that is not his responsibility, not his job. They should take care of their own shit. I also kind of, in, in a limited way, can agree with that. But the problem is that that attitude presupposes that if you merely take care of your plot of land, right? That that's enough. And it isn't. Mm -hmm. It isn't ever enough. Because what right. happens is we live in... Uh, and even if Haru's community is his own community and it doesn't necessarily connect to the communities of the white people he's talking to, or it's not explicitly or evidently connected to the communities that he's talking about, that he despises, we are connected. We are connected socially and mm -hmm. economically and politically. We absolutely mm -hmm. are. And and my problem with that position is that if you take it as that's not my responsibility, forget job because it's not your job. But if it, you don't take it on, uh, you don't conscientiously take it on as your responsibility. You leave the land to people like. Donald J. Trump. It just happens. Like it just, this is what happens. When you say forcefully and, 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 and loudly to, to everyone who exists within the, uh, the, the reach of your voice that it's not worth making this fight because I'm trying to survive as a black man out here every day, la, la, la. Mm-hmm. That again, that has validity, but it, it has very it has very limited utility, right? Because ultimately, if you don't do the work, my question is: Is it going to happen? And I and I and I can tell from my own experience in the country, in this country, that it typically does not. That if you okay. do not yell yourself hoarse, saying that this is a collective endeavor. To mm -hmm. redeem the soul of the white misanthropic United States. Even James Baldwin said this. It is oh, a yes, he's a collective endeavor. I yes. cannot I cannot mark out certain plots of land uh, certain plots of psychic or political mm -hmm. land and say, This belongs to me, this is the, the garden I need to tend, and mm -hmm. I can let the rest of it go to hell. It can't. It just doesn't work. Can so, I, can I, well, I, I want to actually give you the last word, Stephen, because we've got about two or three more minutes. So I want to give, sure. but I, I want to say something actually uh, mm -hmm. to piggyback on Seth uh, and, and to say something even more provocative and, and pointed about it. And maybe we can take the conversation into our next one. Mm. That position is the whitest position that I know. The <laughs> idea, the idea that it is white people's job to fix themselves and that we're all fine over here is oh. a kind no, oh, no. okay take out the we're fine you know mm -hmm. that's that is imp that's implied because, because that is implied you, wait 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 wait, wait. that's implied Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's implied <laughs> that is a white position that comes from a position that is a white ideology you can dress it and wear whatever skin color you want that is a white ideology its metaphysics are white that is mm. the whitest white 
I I love that that phrase (laughs) because it reminds me of that scene from The Invisible Man, right? Yes, where he yes, that's that's what I was thinking. The whitest white, he's invisible to to whom? He's invisible to whites. He's not invisible to black people. I get that. I, okay, yeah, yeah. so Stephen, you okay. get the you 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 run the table. You get Let the last see. two or three minutes. You I get run the, the table. Word, so. I'm tapping my table right now. So, um, very provocative and thoughtful ways of helping me think through some of the things that I think about when it comes to responsibility. So I appreciate mm. both of your arguments. Mm. Actually, I was going to call you James Baldwin one and James Baldwin two because that's where you guys were sort of um, steering your arguments or had similar arguments that mm-hmm. I read over the years by James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, I've wondered, though, I did think about the smugness part of it, mm-hmm. and in the sense that if that were removed, would the argument still hold the same amount of um, hmm. clarity, but also whether, whether or not it's the audacity of someone who is not white to say, um, I have a position about this. Hmm. And this position here is, this hmm. is the way to think about it. I love... Travis, I almost want you to end the podcast with your whitest white, white, white position <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's very funny because mm. it also makes me think of, well, that's just a perspective. It's a perspective. What I love mm. about what, what, what you both said is community and communal mm. response because mm-hmm. I love that and because I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a part of a communal response mm-hmm. through my work. But mm-hmm. what I also am assaulted with is white misanthropy. I'm assaulted mm-hmm. with black misanthropy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this idea of a hatred of the body. Mm-hmm. I do not have that hatred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not my yeah, work. Yeah, me either. But it's not my work. <laughs> my work is to be a human. Mm-hmm. Now, if that helps another white misanthropic or a black misanthropic or a Chinese or whomever, then mm-hmm. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm advocating for is a certain responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm advocating for. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, I think we need to pick this up the next time, and I'm really looking forward to taking this a little bit cool. further, especially <laughs> especially working on some of the things that you had us read um, uh, mm-hmm. in this last week's event. Well, and, and we didn't get – so I, I'd like to actually lead off the next one with uh, – and going into Stephen's stuff I think is a good idea too, but you had sent us the LA re- uh, Review of Books essay that we didn't – I mean, you kind of oh, touched yeah. on it with the pheno- – you, you touched on it a little bit when you brought drew, drew out the phenotyping yeah. – uh, uh, um, uh, terminology. So maybe yeah. we can you can lead with that because Stephen and I did a lot of jawing at each other. So or with 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 each other, I should oh, say. With so, love <laughs> and community in the space oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm being funny, yeah. but no, I mean that. Me too. I want to hear and think through this responsibility thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so ne- next mm-hmm. episode is is Seth. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Thanks all very right. much. Sounds good. Thank Thanks you. A lot. Bye bye. All right.